things are heating up, man. It's going to be a good summer. Combo Nation! We're not too far away from 500 episodes. We see it. We see it. It's in our future, man. It is in our future. Combo Nation! What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 479 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. NBA writer Matt Issa joins in to talk about his genius Jokic tweet, decentralized offense, the heat zone, chat, GPT, and much more. Just a fantastic conversation. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, NBA writer, SB Nation, Forbes, many other places. Uh, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Um, it's a, while we record this, not to break the fourth wall here, but it's a nice Tuesday morning, enjoying enjoying the world um, and basketball, enjoying the NBA Finals, which will not be a sweep, which is good news. No, it won't. That is for sure. Matt setting the tone. Um, you got some interesting feedback for calling Jokic a, a genius on uh twitter what was that all about yeah so i just um first of all i i should have i should have been petty last night and recorded every single free throw attempt that was taken because i swear i did not see anything like what i called out and people were getting upset because they're like oh this is so common that this happens but so basically i was re-watching the game i've been i've been re-watching these nba finals games so i watch them once live watch them once after the fact and i like i looked at Jokic. i was seeing Jokic. he was calling out um he was calling out a pistol action as he was shooting his free throws and i'm like oh that's interesting so i rewinded a couple times saw what was going on saw spolstra was uh was gesturing to kyle lowry that he wanted to run pistol which is basically like for those who don't know it's like a form of uh, early offense very common was popularized by the seven seconds or less phoenix suns and mike d'antoni but it's just basically you're trying to work with an empty side, get some space, maybe get like a pick and roll going and just attack early. It's whole it's the whole logic that, you know, you get your best shot early in the shot clock. Anyways, I noticed Jokic calling it out and then lo and behold, the Denver Nuggets stopped them. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Put it on Twitter. Um, and it, it got pretty good feedback. I'm like, oh, it's nice. Got me some extra followers. Then uh, the next morning, my other SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell, shout out him. He sent me a, we follow each other on Instagram. And he sent me like uh, on Instagram that ESPN had, you know, taking fancy to my tweet i'm like oh that's something you don't see every day that's cool you know tap on the shoulders i'm like cool cool and then i don't know just people start people with a platform started attacking me <laughs> um i don't that guy on twitter who used to work for the mavs i can't pronounce his name but he came at me first and then mark jones who me and him have talked since then and we're, we're all good it was a misunderstanding but he he, re, he quote tweeted it what was what was what was the misunderstanding well, he, he was trying to, I guess what his, his like, uh, the way, like, I, I, like, that's how I read the tweet at first. Well, basically he was saying like, oh, you like what Jokic did? Well, I'll like, I'll show you one better. Like Rondo always did this. And I think mm. Twitter read it in a way that made me read it like that. Anyways, he didn't mean it like that. We're all good. 
um, or friends. And um, Damian Lillard was probably the most infamous quote tweet. So then he he came at me, and that's when I was kind of at a low point. I'm like, damn, this really really turned like backfired on me, you know. And then that's not of, that's not a backfire. I mean, that, people have their of, people have their opinions. I don't think I wouldn't even like look at that as backfiring. But then so NBA um NBA Twitter, a lot of the prominent media, they started to kind of fire back, and that was really cool. But uh, so yeah, here we are. The dust is cleared on that now. Um, yeah, I'm just back to being a guy again. Most definitely. I mean, you know, I can ask you why Jokic is a genius and obviously there's many reasons, but in your opinion, what is the biggest reason that makes him a genius outside of the pistol action? <laughs> um, it's gotta be just the, like, I think he's. Because okay, so I don't know if you read if you had a chance to write a read uh, Mike Prada spaced out, but um, so basically he like he addresses the notion that like the great passers, it seems like they have eyes in the back of their head, right? Like Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson, Nikola Jokic, but what's really going on is they have like such a good understanding of like spacing concepts yeah. that like they can kind of figure out okay, this guy's in strong side corner this guy's the weak side corner i mean somebody must be in the slot or in the dunker spot and they kind of have like and they think you know they make the, you'll see like draymond green does this a lot where he'll like throw it to like nothing and then he'll like look at clay thompson like well, why weren't you there it's because he's got like such great processing speed that like if everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing this is where he's supposed to be right now and yeah i think that like Jokic, i think Jokic is just on another level with that like i think it's just like 99.999 percentile processing speed so i guess that would be his um his most majestic trait. So I talked about this before on um, YouTube shows and Twitter. And I want to ask you, do you feel like every organization would have went this way with Jokic? Obviously a great talent. I praise him just as much as anybody. I thought he should have won three MVPs in a row, but how much credit should the Kings guys said the Kings, how much credit should the Nuggets get? for putting him in that point center role. And do you think that would have been apparent for every franchise? Like this would have been his role no matter where he went, or do you think the Nuggets should get even more credit for putting him in that position? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I only ask the good questions, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. Cause like, I think we like, and it's going to become really apparent to me. Because this offseason, I have like a handful of series picked out from that time period that I want to rewatch. I mean, I think it's 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 like we forget how far this game has come in such like a short period of time. Yeah, and like you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, oh man, anybody with a brain would have known that you want the ball in Jokic's hand and you want him running inverted pick and rolls and you want him, you know, in delay action and all that stuff. But. I mean, that wasn't what people were doing at the time. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, we were. I think some of this, is, some of this is Warriors' influence with like what. Yeah, Dre with Draymond, what, but Draymond yeah. was like, Draymond wasn't like. I, I don't know. It seemed like it worked. Like, it. It felt different with Draymond because like, he wasn't he wasn't like a like a seven foot guy. He's not like this, you know, giant. 100%. Like we thought the Giants were different. Like, oh, Draymond's like this unicorn thing, and we always thought the Giants were like this something else but like yeah i guess i don't know i'm trying to i wish i had basketball reference up right now i wonder how long rick adelman's son has been on that staff because i mean so the closest thing historically i could think of to like something like that before was what the 
what Sacramento was doing with Chris Webber and Vladi Divac. And I wonder if I could find David Edelman's here. I'm going to, but yeah, so I guess they deserve, yeah, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, all like, you know, it's always one thing I realized I went back and studied a lot of the like innovators of the past. And one thing that's like a common theme is that they kind of just stumble on it. Like if you think Mm -hmm. about like, Richard Lewis being a stretch four with the Orlando Magic. Like if you ask Stan Van Gundy, he's like, oh, I started him at the four because our four was hurt. You know, Tony Battier, Tony Batie was hurt. Um, So, yeah, I guess like they deserve some credit. It was probably some dumb luck. Maybe it would have always happened just with the way the league was going. Um, Yeah, that's kind of my, my read on it. I feel like there was a time maybe a few years ago, five years ago, that the NBA was trending towards more of a Helio centric type style and i feel like now even though i threw this idea with some of my friends that work in the nba and they don't feel the nuggets are really a decentralized offense because most of it does go through jamal murray and nikola Jokic. i feel like it, it it's more than it's more that than let's say like the lebron you know Cavs, and obviously luca trey james harden teams that you know really focused around one player but do you feel and you know miami they've been called the warriors of the east and all kinds of stuff do you feel we're trending back towards more of a decentralized offense style? Um, how do I? I think, yeah, I think it's because, well, for everyone's, I have like this hypothesis in the back of my head that, and it's kind of like a fear more so, because one of the things I love about basketball is like all the different types of players, all the different unique styles we have. But I have this like theory that we're going to get to a point where, you know, every, I feel like every player is going to be like OKC's J-Dub. Like every player coming out, like that's like the perfect player type, this guy who can kind of do everything. Because like, you think about basketball, it's like a reflection of economics, you know, and like efficiency, all those principles. One of the major principles of efficiency is like being able to be versatile and do a bunch of things is probably better Mm -hmm. than being a specialist, right? And so what comes with that versatility is like you have a bunch of guys who can put the ball on the floor and attack and create their own offense. Um, And so like when we were getting to that, so – Helio ball was like a way for teams who for less talented teams to gain access to like high end efficiency offense. Right. Cause all you needed to do was get one guy who could buoy your off, like who could carry your offense. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it's realistic. Like it's realistic to believe you can get one guy like that. Like for Houston to be able to get a James Harden. What's unrealistic is like, can I get three, four, four guys that I trust to put the ball on the floor and to create, you know what I mean? Even if they're only 80, 90% of James Harden, it's still easier to find, that one Helio guy. I agree um, with you. Yeah. And then if you have three or four of them, you also need guys that know how to play off the ball. Right. As well. Yeah. On top yeah. of that. Yeah. So what the way today's going where it's like, I mean, I think of the Boston Celtics, like, you know, things, things didn't go the way they wanted for them to go this year. But like in terms of just building a roster, that's the model for team building is like, you have all these guys who can drive, kick and pass a bunch of guys who can create their own offense. And then like, you know, play these different, like, for example, like Jason Tatum can go from, on ball creator to spacer, you know what I mean? To yeah. Attacking closeouts. Like it's like that. So everybody's getting, the league is getting more skilled, more versatile, you know? And that's why like, maybe it's a fear, maybe it's a good thing, but I feel like the, the league is just going to have a bunch more like Jalen Williams is coming up. Oh yeah, man. That guy's good. Yeah. Very good. And very skilled, very well, like balanced, you know, I can't really find a weakness in this game. So yeah. So zone, I mean, we're seeing it from the heat and, I think a big reason why it works is because you're just throwing a different look. Sometimes it doesn't even matter how great that look is. It just, if you throw something different, it's going to mess up the rhythm of the other team. But 
What about the Heat's defense and zone I'm talking about has made it so effective? It has. Okay, so I, I actually, it hit me the other day because I used to think, so I wrote about the Heat zone, right? I wrote, I've been on, I've been on this thing since January. You go on SP Nation, wrote an article about why the Heat's defense is revolutionary. Okay. And my hypothesis was, so like, you know, you, 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 we talked a little bit before the show, you're familiar with like um, old school coaching philosophy, right? Old school coaching philosophy is like, yeah, the zones like this, it's like a gimmick. You know what I mean? It's a fun house uh, yeah. mirrors, but you don't want to use it too much. One, because like if a team, you know, figures it out, busts it, it's done. And then two, um, who is like it teaches bad habits, like, you know, because you just you stay in your little zone. You don't really have to move around a much. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the same thing that they had with like switching back in the days. Like it's like, oh, you don't, you know, point of attack defense dies because you'll just like hand them off to the next guy. But um, so I used to think that like the heat because of their culture, like the way they were wired, that they wouldn't fall into the bad habits of like like zone, like, you know, that coaches worry about with the zone. Um, another thing that was like distinct about the heat zone that I think is still true is so when people like a lot of people who like watch the game of basketball and analyze it, they're thinking about it from the angle we have, like the broadcast angle, you know what I mean? Where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, why can't you see the middle? Like you can't see the middle of the zone. Like, you know, it's so easy because it's so clear as day with our aerial view. But when you're at the ground level and you have all this length and these big bodies, like it's, it looks a lot different. You know what I mean? It looks yeah. a lot different. And then the other thing about the heat is, it's like the way their zone works is like, even if you figure it out, like they're just going to keep it. Cause that's the thing about like the playoffs that people don't get, like just because you've like exposed this thing, like you figured out how to exploit this one tactic just cause you did it for one possession or five possessions. Like a good coach knows like, why don't I keep making you beat that? You know what I mean? It's not like, I'm just going to concede this, you know? Okay, fine. You figured it out. got to do something else. You know what I mean? And so that's like what's really good about Spolstra is he's got a lot of conviction. And I think that comes from the leeway he has with his job security where it's like, we're going to keep making you figure out this zone. But anyway, so the big like epiphany I had was when I was listening to Duncan Robinson on the JJ Reddick podcast. And he was like, everyone's always texting me. And he's like, what are the rules of your zone? And he goes like, it's more nuanced than that. He's like, it's very, um, it shapeshifts depending on what the offense wants to do. And the word that hit me in the head is read and react defense. And I'm thinking mm. to myself, I'm like, why, why don't people use that term more when we talk about defense? Cause like, um, there's like a famous scene in, I don't know if you play any of the Batman video games, but there's this mm-hmm. famous scene where he brings in. So, you know, obviously Batman in a lot of these situations, he's outnumbered, right? He's got like a lot of guys against one guy and he, he brings in his Batmobile. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm even in the odds. And that's how I see like, read and react defenses where these offenses are doing things randomly spontaneously. And so like, if they don't even know what they're going to do next, if it's not like a set play, then like the defense has no chance of figuring it out. But if the defense, so if like the offense is playing spontaneous and the defense is playing rigid, like structured, they're, they're at a disadvantage. So what do you do to even the odds you play read and react defense? And I think that's what the zone does. It allows that it has like these shape-shifting tendencies where like they can, it's not like you're just, you're just stuck to this one little area of the floor. Like they know like, okay, if Lowry's got to help to fill the gap, then like Duncan Robinson will like, he's got his own up two on the weak side or something like that. It's just like, they're so well-trained. It's almost like they have like some sort of military simulation training 
and they've just mastered it. I know I went on this huge rant and yeah, there's nothing you could take from it. No, there's that. There's it. actually there's actually so much that I could take away from it. But one thing that definitely stuck out in my mind when when you were talking about people just see the open of the floor in the middle and they think it's easy. Another thing to your point is that like if you're not used to playing there, mm-hmm. it's like a weird place to play because you got people behind you, you got people in front of you. It's like if you're a wing player like Jason Tatum, they, yeah, Jason Tatum, just go to the foul line and start playing. Like, I mean, Bam and like Jokic are a little more comfortable there, but not everybody could play that position in basketball. It's so much about muscle memory. If you never played there before, it's just not going to feel natural to you. Yeah. I mean, just think about like everyone's like, what's the rub? Like, how are you going to defend the superstar? Throw them different looks because you want to take them out of rhythm. These guys are so rhythm based. Like, there's so much. I mean, they're, you know, they're masters of their craft. They spend every day doing this like ritualistic kind of preparation. And if you throw them off, like, you don't need to, you don't need to start like Jokic doesn't need to score zero points for Miami to win. He scored 41, but they did just enough on the margins to win game two. You know what I mean? It's about doing just enough to win. Um, so we talk about efficiency. It's about like taking off just a few points off of their efficiency. Yeah. And you know, that's what makes the difference. The game of inches. Read and react defense. That's another interesting concept because I remember talking uh, to Seth part now about this a while back, because we obviously saw a revolution with analytics and the three point error on the offensive side, but there will be a time, and maybe this is part of it, where the defense catches up, right? And maybe zone and read and react defense is where this is heading. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, I think that'll that'll lead to some curious situations because I'm not going to lie to you, like, as, like, a as a basketball, like, you know, junkie, whatever you want to call me, like, I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the, the way that he playing it. But I could definitely see some fans kind of being like, oh, this is not it. This is not – it's not enjoyable. Like the offense, like the way the offense is going. Like if you watch Sacramento Kings, like I can't think oh, yeah. of any fan in the world who wouldn't think that's beautiful. But like now imagine the Kings trying to run their offense and the Miami Heat's like little shape shifty read and react zone is like mucking it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting from an aesthetic standpoint how that goes. But no, I, I do I do agree. Um I know Ben Taylor hypothesized that like one thing we'll probably see more is like junk defenses, you know, where they're like switching coverages. In the yeah, that makes session. sense. Yeah, or like, you know, in football, how like, you know, sometimes they'll like show blitz or disguise the blitz. Maybe it'll be like a similar thing where they're like showing zone, but going into man or disguising the zone by making it look like they're in man and then, you know, funking into that, whatever. But um, yeah, that's this. I mean, yeah, this is how things are like, you know, trends. Uh, everything has a tipping point. And then once the defense catches up, the offense will catch up again. And then we back to the defense, you know, that, that that's life. If anything goes too like Robert Green talks about this in the book. If anything tips too much in one direction, and there would never be a trend the other way, things would just be utter chaos. So in life and basketball, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's just I'm a I have a criminal justice background, and like one of the core like principles of criminality is like it's like a, it's the same like kind of battle going on where like law enforcement like figures mm. some stuff out, and then like you know criminals, uh, wrongdoers. They they figure some stuff out. It's just like why why don't we see people rob banks anymore? You know. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, I mean, ca- cameras everywhere changed everything, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like this battle. It's this constant battle, um, in all these like disciplines. And it's like you said, like if we didn't, if like if one if offenses could figure everything out and we get like a hundred and eighty offensive rating, oh, it's like that's not. I don't want to watch that sport. And I think I mean? people are there already, right? People yeah. are there already with like the offense having it too easy. I hear a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I would say I think it's 
you know, I actually have to take that back. I think I like what the league is doing, what they did this season, where it's like, I think in the regular season where it's like less on the line, maybe it's better to be more lenient and allow more offensive explosions. Cause then that's more like for the fans, more beautiful to watch. But then these playoffs, I think they've let them be really physical. Like for example, Denver had like, what was it? Like a 128 offensive rating in this game. And they only scored 108 points. You know what I mean? Cause like the grinded out nature. So they're like, they're still playing like efficient basketball because of the physicality of the grinding out of possessions. Like it, it, the scoreboard doesn't look crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So going into this series, what were your thoughts on it? And has anything changed over watching the first two thoroughly? Yeah. Um. So to be transparent, I uh, picked the Nuggets to win the series in my mind. Me I don't too. do the whole like. Oh, you don't do the games thing? Because I do the no, games I think, thing. I, I said six. I think it's a little silly. Okay. Um, I'm being silly. <laughs> I mean. But. Uh, man, you're good. Uh, um, oh, thank you, man. Uh. So yeah, I had the Nuggets win. So here's the like the thought process in my head is like I've had so I picked the Heat to beat the Knicks. I think I thought like on paper the Heat could do some things with like how they were able to shrink the floor and dare the Knicks to be shooters. I thought Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. Yes. Who's... Oh, okay. When I, when okay, you went back. Round. You went backwards. Yeah. Okay. So totally my fault. Say, Go ahead. I, so I, like so I in my I, I was being transparent. I had the Bucks to beat. I got gotcha. the Bucks to beat the Heat Copy. like the rest of the world. Copy. Okay. Pick the pick the heat to beat the Knicks, and then against the Celtics, I also picked the Celtics BT. I'm like, and I said like, I you know I'm impressive. The Heat are impressive. They won't go down without a fight. All this and that, and you know they not only did they not go down without a fight, they made sure the Celtics went down with them. But um, in this series in my head, I'm like, okay, I know what the Heat are capable of. Like so, the Heat. Here's the thing about the Heat that that I've realized: the way they are trained, no matter what happens. They are going to execute on offense. Are the shots going to go in? Or are they not going to go in? That's a different story. But the execution's always going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. So what their goal is, you they've got to get these other teams that are more talented off their game. They've got to throw their defense is all about throwing the other team off of their execution, making them not execute, right? Because if the Celtics are executing at full capacity and the Heat are executing at full capacity, Celtics are going to win. They have more firepower, right? But if they can throw them off their game and they can trust themselves to fully execute on offense, then they can win these kind of games. They can junk up these kind of games. So my hypothesis was the Nuggets are better coached. This I'm not saying Joe Mazzola is a bad coach. I think he's a good coach, put in a bad circumstance Mm -hmm. this year. But I think that the Nuggets are harder to throw off of that execution, right? I, I think that I believe in the Nuggets' ability to execute more and more. And what's what's changed for me a little, I still think I'm going to go with the Nuggets, but I, I, I underestimated how much Miami could throw the Nuggets out of their rhythm with their defenses. Yeah. I thought, I thought the zone would be like off the table this series. I thought I, I made the mistake that I was just talking about. I thought that Jokic was going to get the ball in the middle of the floor. You thought Jokic was, you thought Jokic was such a genius. Not going yeah, yeah, to such a genius. <laughs> But he would call out every pistol action, and Miami would never score. Um, yeah. And he's the only guy in the history of everything who can do it. Yeah. No other NBA player. So that, uh, but, uh, so that, yeah. that so that's changed ahead. for me. And that, that I mean, that's, that's huge because, I mean, that proves to me that they can junk up these games. And if Miami – we've seen. If Miami can put you in the mud, they're the best at getting out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we can actually take this full circle because, you know – Genius tweet, Dame replies, we could take it to the Blazers. 
What should I mean? They're in an interesting position, right? Mm-hmm. They could really go in two different ways. Um, where do you think the Blazers should go from here? Yeah, I think. See, I don't. I have a. I'm not good with like ascertaining trade values, mm. so. I really, I wonder like what the market is for Stu because I presume that's what. Oh, that is, is. It's high, I think. Because I, I think, so like, yeah. I'm sure you've heard like the reports about the Brandon Miller Charlotte thing. It looks like that's that's probably going to happen. Oh, um, yeah. I was way early on Brandon Miller, not to toot my own horn, but I was saying like this, first of all, like the, he was like in the 20s, like before the season. I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. And for a while now, I just said like, I think Brandon's going to go number two. And that don't that's not even a hot take anymore. That's just happening, you know? It's yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So that third pick looks like it's gonna be Scoot. I wonder what what you can net with Scoot. Because if you can get like, like What do you think like Toronto? What do you think like Toronto or something? What, what are you thinking? I don't I don't know about like a landing spot, but if you can get like a player who's on like Sabonis's level and you can build like an infrastructure. Like how the Kings, like if you can model what the Kings did, not like stylistically, because Lillard's a different type of player than Fox. Right. You're gonna want it, but if you could, if you can build a team like that, like I think people underestimate the value of having a team like that. You know what I mean? Like one that people could just be happy about, that fights, that's well coached. Um, you know what I mean? So I've always been of that camp where it can't be like for me. It's not. I don't think there's. Pretty sure that there's not a trade out there involving Scoot Henderson. And like whoever they want to put in their Anthony signs, Shaden Sharp. I don't think there's a trade out there that can make the Blazers like a a true inner circle title contender. But I think there's a, like a trade out there that can make them like a like a very like nice like fifty win team. And I think that means a lot. Uh, is that is that what is that what Dame wants or the Blazers? Like, do they want to be a fifty win team? I don't know instead? what Dame wants. Dame wants yeah. to call me out on Twitter. <laughs> he wants to do that, that. That's what you do know. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Um. See, like I, I don't know, like because with I mean, just look at the Heat. Like, okay, I would say like regular season they they won forty four games. I'd say they're probably more like a fifty ish win team, right? Like if like with all the injuries, if they got the shooting the right way, they're probably more of like a fifty ish win team. And like you see where they are now, like you see with like where the league is at with parity and how much like tactics matter, um, and how you know shoot like think about like Lillard's perfect like for a team. Like, that's, like, you want to, like, be, like, punching above their weight. Because, like, he's, like, he can get so hot sometimes that he might be able to swing a series on his lonesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, my read on it, and again, I'm, like, one of those people who kind of has, like, I think, like, if you're, like, a championship or bust type person, you're basically, like, a nihilist to me. Like, I think you you don't find any pleasure in life because that's just such a weird weird way to look at it. You know what I mean? Like, Like, I don't know. Like, the whole reason that you you like you know rebuild or you know you trade for draft picks is to get a player like damian lillard you know what i mean to get a guy who's like an all nba talent don't you feel like don't you feel like even organizations have championship or bust like mindsets and that's proven with the fact that like every coach is like looking yeah no it sucks yeah yeah i hate it i hate it and that's why like i hope everyone's looking at what miami's done with eric spolstra what denver's done with mike malone because i don't think people realize how long he's been there but yeah it was just like allowing like a coach to because look at Spolstra. He's allowed to not have to worry about like I think a coach who didn't have as much job security might have just shied away from the zone. Like, okay, they they've busted it. They've busted the zone. Like, I gotta throw this off the table now. Everyone does that. That's the rule. Once they bust the zone, you gotta take it away. 
right? But he's like, because he knows, no matter, I mean, if he got swept in the first round by the Milwaukee Bucks this year, he'd still have a job. You know what I mean? If they got beaten by 30 points in all four of those games against the Milwaukee Bucks, he would still have a job. There's no doubt in my mind, right? I think Mike Malone's got a lot of job security. You know what I mean? So, like, those mm-hmm. guys are able to kind of push the envelope and trust trust their process over having to worry about the results. And I think that's what Mike Budenholzer – that's why I credit Mike Budenholzer for kind of sticking with the – like, the drop coverage. Everyone wants to say, oh, you need to adjust this, this, and that. Why would they do that? Like, the if you did the math – now I'm going to rant. But if you did the math, like, the probabilities were in their favor – if like Miami didn't have a berserk like shooting series, you know what I well, mean? Well, I mean Giannis, I mean was he was yeah. They also they also missing yeah, yeah missing him for sixty percent of the series. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. So back to the the Portland thing. Like I, I hate the championship or bust mentality. I think I think it's really meaningful to have a team that's like in the fifties win wise. They have a lot of memorable moments. The home team believes in them. Um, and you never know where that could take you. You never know. You know what I mean? You never know what trade might open up or what player might develop a little faster than you thought. Um, and maybe you go from being like this middling 50-win team to being like a upper tier, like a high 50-win team. And those, you know, high 50-win teams, they th- those are championship contenders. So, uh, yeah, I think if you can if you can get a Sabonis-esque player in this package, like a Sabonis, so I'm talking like mid-tier all-star player, then I would do it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. What coaching hire uh, has piqued your interest the most? Adrian Griffin. Um, only because I've interviewed him before, and I like the guy a lot. He's very intelligent. Um, I'm curious to see what happens. It's funny I say uh, Adrian Griffin because I was just complaining about the Budenholzer thing. But I do like him. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a smart guy. Um, and the fact that he was handpicked by Giannis, among like other like name notables, pretty interesting, you know? Last thing, last thing, Matt. You're a writer, right? Sometimes. <laughs> How, what are your thoughts on uh, ChatGPT, AI, oh. and and do you feel like it's uh, changing your industry? I don't know. I've, I don't think I've read an article and thought to myself it was written by ChatGPT. Oh, I, I've seen captions where I've thought it was, you know, like really? not, not, whole, not whole articles. Yeah. Okay. You might. I'm scared now. <laughs> Okay, so oh, I mean, like, I'm like of... more people are using this thing than you might realize. Oh, that I mean, I'm sure there's people in your space, and not saying the whole article is written, but you know, phrase this paragraph in a better way, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. That's happening a lot, I'm sure. Jesus, that's scary. That's really scary. Because like, I mean, that's just weird to me. Because like, why do you become a writer? I thought like, because this is not the kind of job. Like, I'll tell you firsthand. Like, you know, I don't make a crazy amount of money for the amount of hours I put in. I don't put it. I don't make a crazy amount of money. Like I don't, but I don't do it for the money. I do it because I like talking about a, a hobby. You know, I like talking about guys putting a, a basketball in a net in the ways they do it. So like, why would I don't know, get like, be like a like a mortgage lender or something, man? If you really want to, like, you want to make money, you have to do this. But I'm I'm afraid of technology to be honest, man. Not like this kind of tech, because obviously that's like what um allows me to do what I do. But like, did you? I don't know if you've seen on Twitter the. Uh, the new thing they're working on that allows like famous people from history to do like a podcast together. It's like Bill Gates with uh, like Plato or Socrates or something. And it's just like, I don't know, man, we got to stop it. We got to stop it somehow. Um, I'm hoping what I'm hoping is like, it's like you said, like, you know, that battle between offense and defense or between Mm -hmm. 
trends the law enforcement and yeah. uh, criminals hopefully like the bat like we keep fighting back like humans versus technology and the technology i mean people are saying hard. people are saying we really have to start and start going yeah. harder now like now's yeah. the time to you know go back at yeah, it i don't know man i don't know if i keep talking about this i might just lay in bed all day now thinking about it <laughs> so thanks for that matt great stuff man that, that that conversation was really fun you're always welcome back on the show where can we find your work um you can find me on SB Nation, uh, Opta Analyst, Forbes, Fan Cited. I read a bunch of places. But the, the easiest way to find me is at MattIsa15. So at M-A-T-I-S-S-A-15. That's my, my Twitter handle. That's where I post all my my writings and my musings. Um, I think that's probably the safest way to find me. Twitter? Twitter. There you go. Or you can find me on ChatGPT. Do you do you use it? No, I don't. I've never used it. Never want to think about using it. I never want to even see what the interface of the website looks like. It's just like a chat, bro. Like you, you talk to it like it's a friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got oh. friends, man. All right, Matt. You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for taking the time and talk soon. Yep, sounds good, man. There it was. Episode 479 is in the books. Big shouts to Matt for joining in, man. That conversation was a lot of fun. Go follow Matt on Twitter at M-A-T-I-S-S-A-15. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Appreciate you all. Share this episode. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories, man. Take a screenshot. Post it on your IG stories and tag me on there. That's how you let me know that you tuned in. Oh, yeah, tag me on there on one two combo. O N E T W O C O M B O. And be on the lookout for episode 480 combo out.